0: The text has been read for you here for Hebrews twelve, one and 2. What you see there as we are working our way across the book of Hebrews, you see the therefore right there at the outset of what has been read for you in verse 1. That is quite obviously as we work our way through chapter 11, the apostle is now calling us to Act. In accordance with what we have heard, we have spent several weeks in chapter 11, listening, 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 and then 12.1, therefore, this is act, act in accordance with what you have heard. What have we been hearing? Testimonies, all right? From, From beginning in redemptive history at 11, early on in chapter 11 with Abel. Moving all the way forward to Israelites, conquering under Joshua's leadership, this issue of each and every testimony, proving out God's covenant faithfulness to his people. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. That is what we have been hearing again and again and again, and now the call is act. Therefore, the implications to having heard is action obedience, how can I so act with what confidence again and again, what we have seen in redemptive history, chapter 11, testimony after testimony, where does our confidence come from? That God is able to perform all that He promises. He is able. And that confidence by faith moves me to run a race set before me with endurance. My confidence is set, again, as the object of our faith is a person, not an outcome. We have confidence in who that person discloses himself to be, able, trustworthy, faithful. That will promote in me, as I look to him regularly again and again and again, it will promote in me endurance. The cumulative effect, in other words, of each and every testimony the apostle is hoping will be upon us. The cumulative effect of all of our hearing will be our own running. I watched them run in chapter 11. I saw them running their race. I heard that word that was preached to me of them by faith running their race. Each and every testimony, great the apostle says, therefore you run. The cumulative effect, hearing each of them, they add up to the total of giving me a spirit of endurance. The apostle is suggesting to each and every one of us at the very outset of chapter 12 that, the, that running is a direct result of possessing faith. Running is a direct result of possessing faith. That is what we witnessed in chapter 11. Those who, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, right? Because running, acting, trusting, moving, is a direct result of possessing faith. Again, This is the natural process of true faith. And when I say true faith, we've been dealing with this for several weeks now. When I say true faith, I don't mean like a faith that's better than your neighbor's. When we're speaking of true faith, we're not talking about how good yours is. We're talking about faith's object. True faith looks solely to Christ as its object. That is true. True faith. Not an idea. Not a virtue. A vessel looking to a person. The process of that faith, feasting, bearing out endurance, comes through the Word. We have heard the Word of God. This is the process of the saints throughout chapter 11. They having heard the Word, So persuaded to its truthfulness, its integrity. I heard it preached to me. I believe and am so persuaded to its truth claims. I believe that it's true. Then we must act. That is, trusting in that word will bring actions that are in accordance with those truth claims. I believe this to be true. I am so persuaded to it. I have heard it. It came from these canonical documents. That is the Word of God. I believe it to be true, but I don't act in accordance with it. Then you don't believe it to be true. That's it. Faith, true faith, that looks to Christ and Christ alone feasts on that Word and so sees brilliantly, the world around it. That is, faith gives a high-definition worldview by continually feasting on the Word of God. What will a life of true faith look like? So, that which looks to Jesus, each of us here confessing our faith together in catechism, in song, in encouragement, in prayer, in listening and actively engaging the Word of God, us, the people of God gathered. What will our life of endurance look like? Well, it'll look unique in some measure, but you have to be careful with just how unique your life will look. I'm so unique, Uh, these other things don't apply to me. My situation is different. Wrong, wrong. But is it unique? Yeah, certain degrees. We're not all exactly running the exact same race. That's Captain Obvious, right? But generally, we all are by faith on a pilgrim's journey with Christ as our object. What will it look like generally for all of us Though the details will be different, subject to change in detail. What will it generally look like? Well, the apostle draws out the idea of a marathon. It'll look long. It'll be challenging. It'll be filled with issues of training, self-discipline, trial, adversity, Weakness, moments of strength, clarity, followed by moments of feeling you lack significant clarity. It's a marathon, so we need endurance to keep going. This morning from the text of verse 1 and 2, I want to highlight, I've kind of considered three three necessary requirements for a life of endurance then. If we're considering the pilgrim's journey as one that requires endurance, considering it along the idea of a marathon race, there are three I want to consider with you through the text, three necessary, I hope to persuade you from the text, that they are indeed necessary. When I was writing that out, I thought, can you say necessary requirements or are requirements necessary? I'm not exactly sure. So if that's redundant, just let it go. (laughs) As with all my other Weird Al word crimes, just let them go. At any rate, I come back. There are three Necessary requirements for a life of endurance from the text. Let's just jump right in and begin with number one. What is it from the text that is necessary for me in my life for the sake of endurance? Number one, regular exposure to the Word of God. Regular exposure to the Word of God. How do we get there from the text? Well, look at verse 1 with me just briefly, and we'll break down the pieces together, and hopefully I can push you right over the edge in embracing that regular exposure to the Word is Necessary for me to endure. Verse 1, look at it with me if you would. Therefore, the implications of what you've heard and looked at. Therefore, since we have, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Clearly, what we have to deal with first in the text as we come to embrace, we have to. Submit to regular exposure, be eager for regular exposure to the word of God. We have to handle this illustration that the apostle sets us up for. That is, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I want to handle it in a twofold manner number one, what it is not, and number two, what it is. If we have to tackle this issue of context, what does it mean? That we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and how does this speak to my need for regular exposure to the Word of God? That is what we are set about to explore and answer together. The first consideration of what this metaphor or this illustration is not is physical. It is not physical. So some may disagree with me on that, but I submit for your consideration my arguments to push you right over the edge. It is not physical. What do I mean by that? Well, as he is illustrating here, it is not an arena of space and time within which are seated the old covenant saints who look down upon us in our daily striving and they testify to our success with their heavenly applauses. That would be that it is physical. That Joshua sees my lack of courage. That my grandma gives me an attaboy from heaven. This is not the case. It is not, at least from this illustration, it is not physical in an arena of space and time whereby they look down upon us in our striving and testify to our moments of success with their heavenly applauses. What then is the metaphor or the illustration? What is it? If it is not a comment on how we are in a heavenly amphitheater as the saints do watch and applause or cheer and jeer as we are persevering by faith, what then is the illustration? I think to help us grasp what the illustration is doing to serve us in gathering, informing us of our need for endurance, is the phrase within the illustration itself the race set before us. This opens up the illustration. This is the point, the thrust of what he's getting at. Take the first piece, look at the text there. As he sets up the context that it is not, if you go so far as with me to this point, it is not, okay, consider that it is not a physical realm. What's the force of what he's getting at then? And we'll come back to the piece of detail. What it is, the force is down there. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the thrust of it. We'll come back to the issue of endurance, but consider the race that is set before us. That is the race. Each and every one of us are on a pilgrim's journey by faith. Each and every one of us. We'll start there with the the illustration. The second portion. Notice in the phrase, set before us. I would ask you, maybe you can answer quietly in your head, Who set the race? Now, no one's answering because you're all answering quietly in your head. It was God who set my race. And I am, as a saint, in a very purposeful race. That is the thrust of the illustration. That is, it is a powerful illustration, I trust to you of God's sovereign purpose and provision for our lives. That is the thrust of the illustration. God does care. He has so lovingly ordained our lives so as to design a race that we run for His glory and our good. Your life, each and every day, your time right here with us this morning, our time, me, you, together, is by divine appointment. There is nothing to be wasted in the Christian experience. For we are in a very purposeful race, life that you're experiencing that God has in His grace appointed for you to live. There is meaning to you as a person. There is meaning for all of your experienced outcomes and life, the challenges, the trials, the things that seem so random. There is deep, loving meaning. And each and every one of your lives. We're not just a bunch of molecules thrown together, mass tissue just moving without an ultimate end or purpose. There is a pilgrim's journey that is set before us, not by chance but by God. This is the thrust of the illustration. What about the witnesses? What what about running? Alongside of the consideration that God has designed our race is the consideration that He has also perfectly furnished all that we need to complete a race. There is no good thing being denied you. You think, I could list 10 of them right now. Do you want to know them? No, you can't. No, we can't. I, I, you know, I could write down, you, you got 10, I've got 20. Well, let's one up one each other. Let's just keep going. We know there's good things being denied us. We all know that. Not by faith we don't. When we look to Christ as faith's object, we receive and rest all that he has provided. We find out, wait a minute, that list needs to be burned. When we look to ourselves and we consider those around us in the physical realm, then we can begin a list. That's the breakage from faith. When we look to Christ, we find my confession is no good thing is being denied me. Because he set a race for me to run, and he hasn't abandoned me during it. He has furnished me to finish it. There is meaning to your life. More specifically, what has he furnished me with to finish well? In this text, what He has furnished each and every one of us with is what we're doing now. He has furnished us with a witnessing community. That is, fellow saints who have proven out His faithfulness, care, and provision that accompanies each and every challenge throughout our race. That is, right now, when I question His care and His provision, His abilities, His capabilities, His promise... When I question them, have you ever questioned them? Oh, come on. I'm sure, we have. And as we're doing so, it's typically when we're not enduring well. And we're questioning. And those two things are related. Not enduring because of questioning. Questioning when we're not enduring. On this pilgrim's journey, where then do we turn? We turn to the Witness or the witnesses and their accounts and their testimonies, which are not located in a surrounding cloud. Where are the witnesses located? In the text of Holy Scripture. Remember, he said, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, where do we have them? Oh, wait, yeah. Therefore, since we have what we have been reading. Chapter 11. Witnesses to the utter trustworthiness and faithfulness of God along all of the windy turns in our pilgrim's journey. Since we have so many witnesses, since we have this inerrant, inspired document of witness, let us run with endurance. I'm losing endurance. Turn to the witnesses. Read the Word. Find endurance but nobody's experienced the challenges I face. Nobody knows. The witnesses know. God who has so moved to document his faithfulness, his trustworthiness for our good to furnish our race and finish well, says, since we possess the witness, let us run our race Thus, I would say, I think point number one, what is the first piece that is a necessary requirement for me to run my race of endurance is regular exposure to the Word of God, because I possess the witnesses as it is taught me and recorded for me in the text of Holy Scripture. The second piece this morning, or the second necessary requirement, I'm really insecure about that now. Necessary requirement for a life of endurance. Number two, the second piece for a life of endurance is faith fueled resolve. Faith fuel is key in that statement because resolve can come by various means. Resolve, I am resolved to, uh, I don't know what I'm resolved to do. Let's say be godly, generally. And we set about by the standards of our own working, the standards of our own lawfulness, the standards of our own pride to display godliness. So, resolve is not enough. The the idea that I will be resolved to run my race with endurance, great. But if it's sourced and anchored in you, not great. It must be a resolve indeed, but a resolve that is fueled by faith. That kind of resolve looks to Jesus again and again for its strength and resolve. So the second necessary requirement for me, for you, to run your race with endurance is faith-fueled resolve. How do I get there? Look at the text with me as we see, yet again, the language of run Okay, so let us run so we know that, again, we are on a race that is set before us. We are on a race. It has been lovingly and graciously, perfect fatherly care set before me. Adam, I have a race. I have a pilgrim's journey. I have all the furnish to, furnishings to finish well. Then let me run with endurance. Let me run it. I'm on the race. I'm on the track. Let me perform with endurance endurance. Consider the concept of endurance itself. I offer you a basic definition of endurance. Hopefully this is helpful to consider the idea of endurance. What is pregnant within the term endurance? What kind of connotation does that give me about running? I'm on the race, I'm running, and the comment to me about my running is with endurance. What does that imply? do you mean? Just keep going? What, 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 What does endurance imply about my race? The definition of endurance is this, quote, the fact or power of enduring and unpleasant, there's your underline, within the definition of endurance itself is the concept of something that is unpleasant or difficult process. It goes on or a situation without giving way. That sets up the text quite obviously. The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Run! How? With endurance! What does that mean? Don't give way! Don't! Finally, the last piece of a basic definition of endurance includes this, the capacity of something to last or to withstand what? Wear and tear. So if we consider the comment of endurance into the role of running a race, we realize we need resolve. Because I'm hearing from the comment of endurance that there is going to be an intersection for me of unpleasant moments. There is going to be within the comment of running a race with endurance difficulty in the process of running. There is to be expected some wear and tear as we run. So building upon that then, faith-fueled resolve as we experience difficulty, endurance necessarily involves, I'm very numerical this morning, I've broken this down even into three more pieces. If we take the idea of endurance, right, so we're running, and as we're running a race with endurance is a comment. That I know what lies ahead, if I understand the term endurance, what lies ahead is some strain, some sense of difficulty, some situations providentially provided for me to thrive through is going to be this experience of hardship. Oh, it's because God abandons you in the middle of those moments, and now you're going to have some wear and tear. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. We're holding on to point number one. And we're grasping point number two, and we're seeing that they're working together the wear and tear, the difficulty that comes isn't when God withdrew, but it is his loving provision to see you finish well. In other words, without such challenges, you won't finish well. No, I could do without them. No, you can't. They're a means by which you finish well. But if he just removed this, I have said that a million times. I could, I have, I, I, I'm going to say it probably, I don't know, by Wednesday, maybe three or four more times. You know, if he would free up this, then I'd be able to do more of that. And that would make me feel like, I realize by faith, as I look to Christ as my object, I see that he has set a race before me and he has furnished my course with all that is necessary for me to finish well. And that includes the thing I feel needs to be removed in order that I might thrive. I find by faith that if it were removed, I wouldn't thrive. For his glory and believe it for my good. Endurance necessarily involves three basic things. This is quite obvious, but I want to list each of them. Endurance, the concept of endurance necessarily involves three things. Number one, feelings of wanting to quit. That's necessarily involved. You're going to want to quit. Again, if we keep it within the marathon picture, this idea of running a race, There are moments where certainly you feel like you want to quit. It is otherwise hard and it comes with its hurts. This too is God's love being expressed to me. Number two, no shortcuts to completion or achievement of one's goals. There are no shortcuts. I was going to throw out some old adage that my dad used, and I've already forgot it, so I'll just move on. But you get the gist. There are no shortcuts. And number three, it involves hard decision making. If we could put it into carnal terms, Christianity, a pilgrim's journey, is a thinking man's game. It requires thinking, observation, consideration of your faith intersecting these challenges. It considers, it it begs that you consider the life, the race, what God has set before you and how he is at work in it, not always strategizing to get out of it. There's hard decision-making involved in running your race well with a spirit of endurance. How does the text say so? That it is a hard decision-making process as I run my race with endurance. We'll look at the text. It says back up earlier in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in the text what we have read, what we have heard, let us also, just like we have read, just like we have seen in the pages of Scripture, let us also, just like that, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hard decision-making is involved quite clearly in the language of let us also lay aside every weight. That is, again, here would be my argument. Since the apostle includes general hindrances, that's the language of every weight, general hindrances. So we're saying not these things are automatically sinful in my life as I'm running my race. They are these signposts along my race that cause me to slow down. And I'm coming kind of to, from a run to a jog to a walk to a, I don't know, crawl. It, it, okay, well, well, it, well it's, kinda, it's, it's weightiness. It's kind of slowing me down as I'm running and watching like this. It's slowing me down. This general hindrance, since he includes general hindrance or general weightiness to the scenario of endurance, alongside that which is clearly laid out as explicitly sinful, he is making plain to each and every one of us hard thinking and evaluating is required if I am to run with endurance. In other words, there is no autopilot in the Christian life. Considering my liberties, my freedoms in Christ, my relationship with others, my life and community, the considerations of my job and my family, they require thought. Not like I'm just going to live in this next 12-hour period and see what comes. They require diligence for perseverance sake. I'm considering these relationships. I'm considering my behavior and how they will affect these relationships. I'm not thinking of myself in isolation. I'm considering others and myself As we intersect, for their good and my good, I'm considering how hard I work, how long I work, for the greater good, for which good. I'm thinking. My brain is turned on. Because there are hard decisions to make if I am to run with endurance. When there are signposts everywhere trying to steal my endurance. I don't think about that much, then you're not enduring. Run well. Think hard. Consider all things placed in your racetrack. There is no passivity to the Christian experience. Without such faith-fueled resolve to shed, that which hinders me, do you take stock of things regularly to consider? Now, again, you know, if you've been here for quite some time, I am not. I'm not too positive on sitting over in, uh, sitting in a quiet place and overly analyzing yourself. I think, like again, faith looks away. It looks to Christ. It doesn't sit and sulk in a dark room and consider all of my motives. I. I that, that it just tends to go down for that. We look away, we look to Christ, we remember the gospel, we see what he has done, we know that he has been raised, we know that he reigns, we know that we are his, we look to him. But do we consider how we then live before him? It necessitates that we do, that we know we're running well. We look to the text and we think about our own life, live before his face. What needs to go? It's not wrong. No, but in this season of my life, I need to be sensitive, and it just needs to go. Great. You're thinking about enduring. What is it that if we fail to think, if we fail to consider, what is it, what happens? Our endurance is drained. Think of the picture here in the total image of the race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what we know, let us also, like we have witnessed, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, because if we don't, we will not run with endurance, right? You see how it's related right there in verse 1, and sin which clings so closely And instead of possessing that which closely clings, let us instead run with endurance. We have to get rid of that which weighs us down. The picture that came to my mind is, I think we've all had this. This seems to be a universal experience. At some point, we have been wet when we did not want to be. So think, uh, just kind of throw on your jean shirt, your jeans, and your jean shoes throw on denim, jump in the pool, and start running a marathon. Is that, does that, okay, are you trying, do you realize that's a difficult situation is the point. We've all had the clothes cleaned too closely, right? And we know the weight that is possessed within water-soaked denim. So we're pairing that now with my poor illustration of running a marathon. We're, we're seeing these things relate to overall communicate, that wouldn't be good. We would not endure. That's the idea. If it clings so closely, we can't run with endurance. Give thought to how you are living by faith before His face. Faith-fueled resolve is a necessary requirement for me running with endurance, the third and final for this morning, the third and final necessary requirement for me to run a race of endurance. We've kind of come full circle here of where we began as we analyze through chapter 11. The third and final is constantly look to Jesus. If I am to run a race with endurance, the necessary requirement for me, for you, for every believer, is look constantly to Jesus. You notice that is what Moses did. He considered Christ. And he weighed the riches of Egypt with the suffering of the people of God. As he did what? Considered Jesus. He has always been, always will be the object of God's people's faith. There is no other redeemer. There is no other savior. There is no other prophet. There is no other priest. There is no other king. There is no other Lord. Than Jesus Christ and necessary for me to endure running the race that he has so lovingly placed before me is that I look constantly to him we ask where can he be found in the text of holy scripture How do I, as a believer, as one who Christ has so graciously provided me faith as its originator, its founder, how can I so graciously, as one who Christ has so graciously given the gift of faith as its originator and its founder, who also promises to sustain and perfect it all the way to the finish line how can i look to him regularly constantly by the ordinary means by which he does extraordinary work word sacrament prayer Discipline. Let us run our race with endurance by looking to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will Strengthen us, each and every one of us, your people. As we look at the text, we praise you for the cloud of witnesses that we possess. I speak to your truthfulness, your trustworthiness, your reliability. We praise you for your work in our lives as the originator and the promised perfecter of our faith. Lord, let us run with a faith-fueled endurance, and resolve. Strengthen those who are here this morning to yet again look to Christ. Strengthen us as your people that we be an obedient people. Looking to your word that we might run with endurance as you produce obedience and fruitfulness in our lives. Christ's name we pray that he would be honored. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as the worship team comes to the front here. Trust this morning as your hearts have been both encouraged and challenged, we respond and worship together as we sing this song, looking to Jesus Christ.